Welcome to episode 37 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. This evening we have Walter Smith and David Gregory to talk about the game against Southampton and also the upcoming match against the Bin Dippers, Liverpool, the champions elect. Here we go. In the house tonight, we have, first of all, Walter Smith. Walter, thank you very much for joining us. How are you, mate? Oh, very well indeed. Still off work, so that'll do for me. Um, looking forward to the Liverpool game and uh, enjoyed the Southampton game. So it's all good. Yeah, and also we have David Gregory. David, how are you? Very well, thank you. Just tidying up after Christmas now and getting things back to back to normal, as it were. Okay. But permanently off work, and it's wonderful. I can recommend it, Walter. Years to come. No, guys, oh. we, we, we've got uh, two jobs to do tonight. We've got to do a very, very quick review of Southampton versus Manchester City. And we've got to do a little review of the upcoming game against Liverpool. Now, guys, Southampton won... Manchester City 3. A lot of the guys on the other City pods that I was listening to, they were very, very frightened about this game. They did not know what was going to happen. Uh, Walter, did you share that fear or did you think that everything was going to be okay? No, I thought everything would be okay. Uh, at the end of the day, you look at quite a few games with Manchester City over the last few years. And when it comes down to the nub and the crunch of it, we, uh, we normally get the result in. And as I was saying just before the game, it would have been, we could be, after the Liverpool game, we could have been 13 points behind or four points behind. So that makes a massive difference. And it makes a massive difference to mentality with the players as well, because they know they're in for a fight. And to be fair, they showed up, put a performance in and uh, got the three points in the bag. Always worrying when you've got the new manager syndrome. I think this guy is, is no different to what's ha- what's come before and I, after that performance <laughs> i really see i really see southampton going down um, well, no, I, I, I disagree with you. Uh, and the reason I would disagree with you, if you say it's nothing like before, you had Mark Hughes, and no matter what way you dress it up, Mark Hughes is a dreadful manager. And um, with him being a dreadful manager, this guy seems to have got the team motivated and playing. And they did etch out quite a few, just in terms of effort. They were in the game for quite a considerable time, but they just didn't see, they, they lacked that quality up front, if you know what I mean, just to sort of push on and make sure that they've got the three points for themselves or even a point. So I've got a feeling he's got them up for it, which will get you a certain amount of points against a certain amount of teams within the league. But when you come up against a team as good as City, you know, all the effort in the world can't be enough. It's the quality that counts. Well, there's some, some 
you know, key moments, I think, with uh, Sergio scoring is could go down to being a turning point because it's been a while since he's done that. Bless him. Um, and Zinchenko coming through what was a very difficult match for him. I think that'll do him the world of good. Well, the expectations were three points. I mean, I had us down getting a victory uh, just beforehand. This whole idea about if we didn't get the result against Southampton, the Liverpool game would start to disappear off into the horizon somehow because we could have been 13 points behind or we could have been seven points behind uh, if we actually beat Liverpool, we could be four points behind. That starts to add the pressure then onto Liverpool. So, in order for the Liverpool game to count, we need to make sure this one did. Well, you so, saw so- you, you saw that we didn't have to wait too long, David. It was only ten minutes, yeah. and there was wonderful interplay between Bernardo Silva and someone who's got a lot of flack from us, Riyad Mahrez. I mean, oh my goodness, he's taking so much flack. I guess the reason is because people are thinking, oh, if we'd only kept Jaden Sancho, we wouldn't have needed to, to, to buy Mahrez. But he did a wonderful give and go with Bernardo to set up David Silva in the 10th minute. Uh, what did you think of that goal? That was a superb goal. And, and we, d- we don't see it often enough. It's that ball pulled back deep into the area. The, 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 the cross balls from that position along, the say, just the sort of five or six yards from goal. But to actually pull it back, David was just waiting for it to arrive. Completely bamboozled them. But to pick up on your point about Jaden Sancho, what a lot of our fans need to realise is if a player will not stay with you, you do everything you possibly can. We're in the same situation now with Diaz. We've done everything we possibly can. The boy wants to go. It's like the so, girl that uh, the girl that doesn't love you, isn't it? Basically, David. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'd keep. Oh, we should have. We should have kept him. We tried to keep Sancho, but Sancho did not want to stay. The difference between the two players with with Mares, you've got five years Premier League experience in that fella. Uh, whereas, you know, in, in Jaden Sancho, you've got a lot of promise and potential. And potential is only any good if it's realised. Uh, no doubt at all, Jaden Sancho is a good player. But you cannot keep making these silly statements. We should have done this. We should have done that. You know, you've got to get behind the player that is playing. Jaden Sancho has got potential to score and be a great player. And, you know, in many respects, we think, oh, we should have kept him. But again, if, if it's somebody who doesn't want to stay, they don't want to stay. And, you know, yeah, but this, this is a player who very much sees, he's Team Sancho and he was at Watford. And let's get it right, you know, we batted our eyes at him and he came running. So it's just another step in his career progression. And it's a fair play to the lad, you know. It's, I respect that. And, you know, I respect that he's gone, because not enough English players do it. They go abroad to go and learn something slightly different, you know, uh, to go and, because he'd have landed in Germany and I can't imagine him being fluent in German. And he'd have been there, whether he's brought his whole family over with him, I'm not sure. But this is a kid, and he is a kid, who's very, very motivated around Team Sancho. Um, you know, Dortmund are going to make a lot of money off him if he continues this sort of rate of progression. But what we've also got to bear in mind is this idea of Sancho will he will always look good because he was the one that got away in some respects. And when we, uh, as City fans, and undoubtedly, when we watch Sancho, we're seeing a highlights reel. And we all know Georgie Samaras looked fantastic on YouTube. So when we signed him and then he <laughs> so came did, over... So did Joe. 
<laughs> well, this is it, but, but but the same principles still stand, you know. This is a, a, a kid who's got a lot of talent, undeniable talent, but to get hung up on him, no. We're, what's bigger, John Sancho or Manchester City? You know what I mean? It's one of them where that didn't work out, so... I get a bit frustrated when I hear... You know, about more social media because I don't don't necessarily mix with negative people. But when they want to be digging out players and you know throwing their opinions in, I mean, it's like you know, well, I wouldn't have played him. I'd have done this, I'd done that, and I do. I think, goodness sake, you know, playing FIFA 2019 doesn't make you a world class manager. Our job, as far my my opinion, our job is a very simple one. We are supporters. And yes, we, we in the in the in the game and in the game mode where you see something you don't like, you have a mumble, you have a grumble. But I, I, there should be a, a sort of pause button on all social media that stops these muppets from jumping in and slagging off. It it doesn't help. Really doesn't help. And I I fail to see how you can actually watch a game when you're tweeting everything and and knows on your phone every two minutes. I, you're missing vital elements. <laughs> of what's I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what was brilliant this week. Somebody um, at Old Trafford and he was sat there and he was streaming the the game from his seat while he was watching it. I just thought, welcome to 2019, folks. <laughs> this is the way forward. Oh, in the, in, in the Hoffenheim games, a girl sat behind me. I mean, she she might have been there under sufferance, but she never took a nose out of her phone for 90 minutes. We, I, I'm going to ask you this rather insulting question. A couple of the guys on one of the city pods repeated something that I've heard a few times, and they said, Maris is a one-trick pony. He goes down the right-hand side, cuts in on his, on his left, and either looks to put in a cross or take a strike at goal. And that's all he's got. David, could you just talk me through that first goal again? Yep. Mares I think, I think, I think Walter, Walter's making a point here. <laughs> exactly. No, no, go on. Mares in possession, sees Bernardo making a run, plays a superb ball straight into the stride of Bernardo. Bernardo was then able to cross the ball and David Silva put it away. If I had to criticise Mares for anything at all, it would be I would sooner he went, took a few more paces or a few more yards before cutting in because an out and out winger who the hardest ball to defend against is when you get close to the byline and sling a ball in I'd, I'd rather see him doing that than cutting inside how many goals has he scored for us he scored about six so already across, this across, yeah alright uh, my, my other thing would be you don't judge a player coming to a pet team for Christmas and you certainly you know you look at Bernardo if we'd have written off everybody we wanted to the boo boys got on the back of Bernardo Silva wouldn't be shining David Silva wouldn't be shining you know there's a lot of these players got a bit of stick when they first came to City some people just don't seem to learn from this mistake and they want to get on the back of a, of a player and in some respects they don't really care which one it is whichever one's fashionable at the time whether it was Edgil or you know we could pick out a player from every single season and um, Walter are you saying that City fans were giving Richard Edgil a hard time? Oh, some did for the love of God yes was, was, I, sorry, you, Walter. You're going to have to. You're going to have to educate me here. I, this has escaped my me memory. What was the problem with Richard Edgill? What was the problem with Richard Edgill? You know, no matter what he did, it was never good enough. And we went through a phaser, and it seems to be our fullbacks always came in for a slating. And um, I remember one time Richard Edgill was, I think, was playing right back, and he legged it over to left back to cover for his mate. And he didn't get there because he'd run the, the whole width of the pitch. And people were slating him. I'm thinking, mm. 
you know, but that, I mean, I'm not sure because uh, hand on heart, I don't go and sit in other grounds. So I don't know if other teams pick out individual players. And this could be something that goes across every single club. I know David was talking about, he went to a Sheffield Wednesday game and his mate just moaned for 90 minutes. So, you know, they're at every single club. But Riyad Mahrez, for me, he's been asked to play a particular role. He's been asked to hug the, hug the touchline. When we're in possession, you can see that man has got the heels of his boots on the, on the chalk, as it were. And that's the only thing I could think of. That's so that it spreads, gives the opponents uh, something else to think about. And it still seems to be happening where whenever one of our wingers gets the ball, we do seem to be having the defences are pulling back and they've got two, then three players to beat. And, you know, that isn't going to come off often. And if people are moaning and groaning, I mean, I was at the game and there certainly wasn't a lot of moaning and groaning towards uh, Riyad Mahrez there. Um, with the bad Wi-Fi signal and the, no 4G, there was certainly no one on Twitter. You know, people were just there. And what I loved about it was it was a real, you know, when you get a, a certain mood within a crowd and it was a real defiant mood. You know, it was uh, very much a case of let's get this business done. Or let's move on. We've got a bigger game next. Um, we're ready for it. Yeah. And that came across in so many different ways. That came from the players. That came from the fans. There was a little wobble when they got the equaliser. You could see the same fans of going, oh, no, not again. But fortunately, that didn't last overly long. And um, what I was most impressed with was this idea of um, you've got Palace and Leicester, and we went ahead and then they got the goals back. And we had a massive wobble and we couldn't put it right, but they got the goal back. We had a little bit of a wobble, but then... <laughs> the one player that didn't have a wobble and you just can't imagine the man he's got he's got the greatest poker face in the world I heard someone described describe as reptilian but I, I'd rather are you talking about Walter polite, uh, Edison you know who I'm Edison and wasn't he that, wasn't that kind of he confidence. wasn't he the coolest guy in the world is he possibly the most nerveless blood pressure of of, of 60 that you've ever seen in your life he has a tremendous amount of self-confidence and self-belief. I wish I, mean, I had that confidence. Yeah, honestly. in that in that role, it is essential. I, I did wonder with the Hoiberg one, where the, that had Hoiberg made contact with him at the speed he was going, how would it have been viewed? You know, if he if he'd have touched the ball, I suppose he would have given a goal. But when you consider Fabian Delph getting sent off for a tackle that he made. You know, it was a, an aggressive tackle, I'll give you. But what would Hoiberg, if Hoiberg had made contact with him, the ball and all and both players would have been in the back of the net. Um, but he, uh, And he could have been hurt with the speed he was going, as, well, we, as we saw later on in the game. Walter, there was a comment on Twitter that said that if uh, Ederson was any more masculine, he would be up a tree. He was unbelievably cool. And um, I've, I've never seen nerves like that before. I mean, they talk about Allison. He's made a couple of rickets this season. But my goodness, that guy, I think he does not panic. He's the kind of guy that you would want if, if, if you were in a crisis. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was, um, I put up a joint Liverpool-Manchester City team. Um, it was a BBC app thing, you know. When you put I, it I up, saw etc., that. There were, there were not enough City players, for my, in my opinion. Well, uh, my, my whole deal was, I, prefer, I said Pep's our manager, so I, I've said this before, I, I, I wouldn't swap Edison for Alisson or De Gea. 
you know, they come out with these world-class saves, as does Edison. And you could argue that if we had De Gea facing the shots that Edison's faced this season, he may have let in less. But that's not a Pep goalkeeper. You know, we've got the perfect keeper for Pep. And if you notice, as um, Edison, Edison was the creator or the, the the start of the creation of that Mares attempt. You know, Southampton, uh, fair play to him. You know, they, they, they were going at it 100 miles an hour. You know, they were quite physical at times as well. And I just looked at it and I just thought, to have a, a player like that, what it does is it gives you a numerical advantage at the back. And as he's getting pressed upon, there's a gap somewhere. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying behind? Because just by geographical numbers, they can't be anything but. So he's getting pressed upon. And most goalkeepers would drop a ball, you know, once every few games. But this is a kid who's just, I don't know, he'd just he'd pass any lie detector test because his bleeps just wouldn't go up. You know, he could. But that's what we bought and that's what we've seen in him. His blood pressure um, is like um, is like James Bond, you know. It's unbelievable. Well, it's just- He's a very talented footballer. Never mind a goalkeeper, and he could he could play in midfield. He's he's got he's got an eye for a pass. He's got tremendous control. I think when you look at those situations, as well as Edison's coolness. Every defender was ready to take a pass, whichever way he wanted to put it, whether he wanted, if he wanted to go left, if he wanted to go right, if he wanted to go straight on. Everybody's on the same wavelength. And it, in a way, it is, it's how Pep plays. You're encouraging people to come. You know, the, come and have, rush up there because you're going to leave a space that we will exploit. It's a very, very disciplined team that just leaves you to it because they think they can intercept it. As you know, as they did in one case, took the ball off um, Zinchenko. Commentators were going crazy. They they thought this was um, absolute shoddy play from um, from Man City. Uh, of course, you, you, you could never see Tony Coden or Joe Corrigan doing that, but he was so comfortable. And uh, as David said, the angles were there. there were, the passing options were there. And it, it was it was just wonderful to see. What annoyed me was that the, um, the match commentators, either on BT and Sky, they saw this as a complete ricket and that City were in panic and uh, out of control, but it di- they, it didn't look out of control to me. As I said, I was at the game, so uh, what, the beauty of that is you're surrounded by uh, 3,000 or whatever brothers and sisters. And if you've noticed, uh, the biggest testament to that is, I remember us playing like that against Napoli and the whole stadium was like, you know, you could, you could feel this edge and nervousness to it because we hadn't seen anything like this before. Now when they're knocking it around at the back, the City fans are just enjoying it because they've seen it a hundred, a thousand times. And we know we've got those players in position to achieve what we want to achieve. And if you're looking at all these pundits, et cetera, et cetera, who finished playing, they never played against a system like this. They never played against a keeper like Edison because that type of football simply didn't exist. Um, often, if it's different in many people's eyes, it's wrong. You know what I mean? It's um, They don't like it because their goalkeeper, if they, their goalkeeper had done something similar when they were playing, it would be a balls up. I can't think of one time that a goal has been scored against Manchester City because Edison has messed it up at the back. You could argue this idea he's come out rushing for a few... Um, the game against Liverpool in the league, after the 5-0, when we, when we went to their place, he hit a ball out of defence 
and it was struck straight back in again. See, you should have played it along the floor then, shouldn't Yeah, you should have played it along the floor. <laughs> in that particular commentary, yep. that when if you, if you go back and look at that, that specific goal, it starts off with excellent work by Edison. Oh dear, he's passed it straight to Salah, mm-hmm. who who was you know at that time was on fire, and if he hit it anywhere, it was going to end up in the back of the goal. And if you took you know going back up to Liverpool, you took that to goal, and you took the John Stones, where if he'd have, if he'd have fallen to the ground when Firmino bumped into him, that's right, there would have been a free it would have been a free kick given. As Absolutely. it was, he was trying to be an honest player, and so you take those two goals out, we'd have won that one because the goals we scored, it, we wouldn't have been four one and then four three, but it'd have been two one and then three two. After the goal, City were absolutely bossing it. But our second goal was not credited to Raheem Sterling. It was actually a, an own goal for Ward Prowse. That was on the 45th minute. That's when we went 2-1 up. And uh, Sterling, I, I, I would make a case that he was possibly the, the man of the match. He was really, really uh, going forward and attacking at every possibility. He'd thrown off his shackles. He was looking to take people on. That was a great goal. It was down the other end of the pitch, so it was very hard to see who knocked it in. <laughs> so, they don't have the highlights at the ground like we do. You know, if somebody scores a goal, they show it, and then they show it from various different angles, then you get the various different cheers. They had advertising for double glazing windows and stuff like this. It's a, it's, it's a, certainly a step down from the Etihad. Mm. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And... A lot, fair play to Sterling. Sterling was a thorn in their side, and you know the goalkeeper pulled off a great save later on to deny Sterling as well. I say pulled off a save, got himself in the right position. That's McCarthy. He, McCarthy had a great game for them in goal, yeah. didn't he? Yes. Well, he certainly did, and you know Edison had a great game in goal for us. You know, with his, um, he, he pulled off one save from a corner, and uh, that oh, yeah, was just directly that. in line with me. And that that was a, that was a that was a fantastic save, and he also. Just look cool as cool and calm as. And I don't like knowing how good he is in many respects because knowing how good he is means that something fundamentally has gone wrong whereby we're getting chances created against us. It's when Edison sort of sat there with his pipe and slippers and uh, reading a copy of, you know, the Guardian newspaper where you're thinking, this is the keeper that I want to see and I want to see permanently at City because he's under saw, no pressure. If, if you saw his highlights reel from the time that he played in Portugal, you would see that definitely a guy that can stop shots. There's no doubt about that. But then you're looking at, that's the Portuguese league and you're looking at the the Premier League and, you know, you're coming up against strikers like, you know... But Walter, his famous game was the game against Dortmund uh, in the Champions League and they were absolutely peppering the goal and, um, yeah. Joe Hartlock and Will Beater against Dortmund as well. That's that's true, that's true. You know, you just have... I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to take it... Take, not each day as it comes, but, you know, you need a, a bigger sample size to sort of see what this keeper can offer us. And I know Pep Guardiola did his homework on him when he was Bayern Munich manager. And they were looking at the size of his kicks and thinking, oh, my God. You know, then we're going to have to put in something else to counteract this, this kid's kicks because... He'd never seen anything like it in world football. Liverpool fans so, were going crazy because he did. Uh, Allison did something a little bit similar in, in their last game, where he sprayed a pass out, which led to a, an attack. But that was a rarity. I mean, Ederson does. I mean, no. he does this every week. A tactic we don't use is is a go- you can't be offside from a goal kick. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've yeah. used it. 
we've used it, but we don't use it anything like enough. When you're talking about Liverpool fans, according to Liverpool fans, they've got the best forward in the world, they've got the best defender in the world, they've got the best goalkeeper in the world, they've got the, someone put the best Scottish left back in the world. And I'm just thinking to myself, <laughs> as, a, as a City fan, I'm not asked if you know somebody thinks Raheem Sterling or Aguero is the best. They are what they are for us, and we don't need this sort of validation from outside. Mm-hmm. You know that Edison is the best keeper in the world. I like him. I prefer him. So I'm happy. You know, it's like it makes me laugh is every single save that De Gea makes for United comes out and it's it's never just a normal save on the commentary. It's a world-class save. Everything's got to be sort of hyped up it's and like De Gea full when, of steroids. When, when, almost, when yeah. people shoot straight at him and that's that's the best save that's, ever. Well, I mean, the, the, the one against Roma. Yeah. The, one, you know, the guy came running out and he's got himself into a good position. He's fortunate in many respects that this has come hit him about hip height. And this was like seen as this... The next night, Hoffenheim, uh, we played Hoffenheim and Edison pulled off this uh, a save that was just that worldy. You know one of those in the stadium where you just clap? You stand up and appreciate that moment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I didn't go home and then get onto Twitter and start banging on about him being the best goalkeeper in the world and what a great save it was. It was world-class. No other keeper would have made it. Blah, blah, blah. So, I don't know. I just think, as a fan base, we don't really look for that kind of validation. You know, some would argue that when Aguero was not in the PFA team of the year for however many years, we thought he deserved that chance then. But I can't remember anything else besides that. We don't, we don't have to have that. The performance of Danilo. Now, Danilo, that's two games in a row. He's looked very, very solid. And what people are saying is that perhaps, David, we should uh, bring back Kyle Walker at right back and put Danilo at left back because Danilo is in many respects unspectacular we know he can score a goal we know he can take a free kick but he he's been looking very very solid the last couple of games if if it was up to you would you do that instead of Zinchenko and Delph would you put Danilo at left back and play Kyle Walker at right back the biggest problem with doing that is Danilo is right-footed and a, a left back with a with his his dominant foot on the right is not a good not a good blend at all. The thing is though David um, that Danilo is more solid than Zinchenko and Delph isn't he though whether he's left or right-footed. He can play um, left back. No I'm just saying he can play left back and uh, yeah. According to some, if you put him there against Mares with his one trick, he'd stop him all day long. That's right, but would he stop Mohamed Salah? That's the question, uh, David Gregory. It's again, you're looking at square pegs and round holes. Mm. We know we haven't no got choice. exactly. We know we haven't got the ready-made left back, and we're having to mix and make do. Yeah, and it's. We can speculate for hours, and the press love to do it, and I'm sure Twitter is all over it. What should we do? I think I'd rather trust the one man who I'd put my house on to make that- the best decisions, Pep. Are you going to pick Zinchenko or Danilo for the left left back slot or a third option? Well, there are lots of options. So we, we had all this in the run up to the Southampton game. So that's Should why that's, that's why I'm putting yeah. you on the spot, David. Against Liverpool, what are, you, what are you going to do? I would I would stick faith, keep faith in Zinchenko because yep. he has played in that he has played in that position, you know, and he, he can get caught out. And it, it's then up to others to help him out. It's up to his you know Sane to come back and and help out defensively if need be. 
mm-hmm. but it's it's a it's the whole package it's the the back four as a team the support in midfield and of late we haven't had i mean the one glaring miss from the two games that didn't go the way we wanted them to was fernandinho you know all all the you know the, for, for the for the equalizing goal uh, from all brighton in the leicester match danilo got fouled as you know this was a game that we needed to win we desperately needed to win it what was the uh, the reasoning behind taking out John Stones and putting in Vincent Company, in your opinion, Walter? Was it the question of um, leadership, or was it the question of dealing with Charlie Austin? Slight bit of both, but Charlie Austin. Charlie Austin is a, an old-fashioned dirty git, is what he is. He likes to put it about. Vincent Company is a dirty git too, isn't he? Oh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is that's just a matter of fact. You know, there's um, slide digs going on. And at the end of the day, you've got uh, Vincent Company, and he's just got a, a head of granite. You know, and he, he, he won't mind that physical battle. I think he'd be far more up for that type of physical battle than John. I know John Stones has improved, but if you're going to, you may as well get in a past master who's. You know, Charlie Austin hasn't got pace to burn, has he? You know, and he's he's not the most tricky customer in the world either. He's just perfectly suited towards uh, Vinnie Company. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great, great sort of selection. I was, I was a little bit disappointed in Vinnie, Vinnie Company, um, who just seemed to freeze a little bit on the Southampton goal. Do you see uh, Zinchenko? We talked about Zinchenko having, you know, um, a bit of help out. He lost the ball and then Company just seemed to freeze and he just danced past him. Um, and Bangley, you know, it was a great finish as well. You know, can't argue with that. Edison should have got anything on it. And that that was the slight bit for me where I thought Vinnie Company just seemed to be relaxing a bit. I don't know what was going on. Otherwise, he was rock solid. Um, Walter, uh, you're, you, were in a, you were in the best position to, to give a view of that penalty because it was right in front of you. I, I, no, no, at, at the time, I thought it was a nailed-on penalty. Uh, I looked at it and uh, what I've got is I've got the Southampton player and then I've got Zinchenko behind him mm-hmm. and I thought I, I looked at the lad next to me we both pulled that same face which is never a good thing for podcasts I think we can get it we can get it <laughs> but, if, he, if he hadn't have gone down so exaggeratedly throwing his arms out he might have got it well when I, when I, when I watched the replay I thought hang on a minute <laughs> He, he, he's played for that. He's obviously been oh, watching yeah. most yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, against Newcastle and just thought, if it's good enough for Mo, it's good enough for me. So he's gone down. I mean, it was as much a penalty as the one on Sterling was. I think we yeah. could agree it was a penalty, guys. Uh, but he got away with it, didn't he? It's very happened. difficult, Mike, when, when a player that you are chasing even at a slower pace, suddenly stops. You can't help but That's run true. into the back of him. That's true. Um, now, had had he not thrown his arms up in exaggerating the action, he might have actually got it. One of the highlights for me during that whole game was Zinchenko, in many respects, he dropped a bollock, didn't he? That's what and, I was just going to say. He redeemed himself, he, didn't uh, he? Well, it's not so much even the redemption. It was... Uh, he's put this ball in and we've won... I don't even know why we're putting them balls in, but... Aguero's won his header and you could argue the goalkeeper should have done better with it doesn't matter he went in the back of the net but what you noticed was all that side of the pitch didn't go the players on that side of the pitch didn't go to Aguero he went over to Zinchenko very much a case of you know you're you're one of us we're a team and you know we rise or we fall together and I just thought that was a really nice touch instead of um, trying to get on this uh, lad's back because I always say it's not his fault he's not a left back. Exactly. He's he's doing a favour 
He's playing out of position and he's trying to learn a new position in a pep system. And to try anybody trying to dig him out, I, I really, really don't see the point of it because he'll be gone soon and he'll be playing in his natural position somewhere and he'll be doing a great job at another club. But for the moment, to get on his back in any way, shape or form is detrimental, not just for him, but for the team. Uh, David, yeah. it was very gratifying, wasn't it, when all the players came across to Zinchenko to put their arms around him and, and let him know that um, despite the ricket that he had made earlier, he had done wonderfully to set up Aguero for that goal, wasn't it? Yeah, and and, and at the end, in the press conference after the game, when Pep... And Pep said he was know, the best player on the pitch. Absolutely, and, and good for him, because it is so easy for your head to go down and for your confidence to slip away. And here's a kid, he's put his hands up, said, sorry, lads, my fault, and then got stuck into the game, and that will have done him the power of good as as the goal for Sergio Sergio was like a different player after he'd scored that goal and he was very unfortunate not to get at least one more a lot of managers will say stuff in the press and none of it is meant for us of course of none course. of it it's all meant for I mean it, 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 you've got a, a lad there who would have been gone to Southampton Airport would have been sat on the plane does he get his head down before the Liverpool game or does he think Put that crossing off, you know. And all the lads came over, and the manager's happy with me. Right, I'm good to go again. So it's all just psychology, isn't it? And Pep's a master at this, you know. He'll big up a player. I remember at Bayern Munich bigging up players, and then the next thing they were out the door. (laughs) It's uh, (laughs) but to run a player down would be detrimental to the team because if you want to sell him, you're going to get less for him. But if you're sat there and a team comes in, you go, no, you've been saying great stuff about him. He's a fantastic player. Because other managers will pick up on that and listen to it. He's just done what he's had to do. That's why he's our manager and is the greatest manager in the world. If you've got a set of mates and you're there and you've done something stupid and you feel you've let everybody down, you're going to be there thinking you're going to feel a right ass, and you know you're going to feel you're going to feel badly about yourself. But if you've done something that's stupid, and your mate puts your arm around you and says, "Look, mate, don't worry about it. We will move on." You know, just, you know, whatever. You know, as groups of mates, anybody can relate to that as well. So you know, for Vincent Company to do it, for Pep to do it, we've got a kid there who must have got off the plane at Manchester thinking, you know, he must have felt six inches taller. He yeah. must have felt about five feet taller than he did when he uh, yeah. lost the ball in the in the city half against Southampton. I wonder if Loris Carrius was watching that and thinking, what it must it like to play in a team like that? We cannot finish this podcast without talking about the game that's coming up very, very shortly. Walter, you are the the half glass full guy tell me something to make me a little feel a little bit better that I'm not going to have to swallow half a bottle of whiskey before watching this game tomorrow if you look at City's record against Liverpool I know we played them in the um, the Champions League and we had a Gabby Jesus goal ruled out offside and that's when the heads went down when uh, they got that first goal Um, at Liverpool at Anfield we had the goal that was ruled offside they had a goal that was onside and Sterling was chopped down in the box Mm -hmm. nothing given uh, we played them at our place last year and beaten 5-0 and we played them already at Anfield which is a harder place to play them and it was 0-0 and we should have Mares at right at the end had the penalty so you know you look at this, don't get me wrong these, these, these are the two best teams and if you can't get up for the, the two best teams going at it toe-to-toe, what are you watching football for? We should be there. I may possibly and we should be. be watching it through my fingers. But that, that's, that's fine. I'll be at the game and I'll be making making the noise, as it were. Bring the noise, I think, was the, the hashtag. 
But we, we turn up at City over the last few seasons and it's been a procession of teams that play the low block, high block, whatever. And they come to, not to get done over. And, you know, when we get a chance to play somebody, you know, you do get a bit nervous, but you should also get a bit giddy about it. We should be looking forward to this. We've got better players than them. Now, they're playing well at the moment. But as City fans, we're looking at our own team and looking at the deficiencies with all in their own team. And we've mentioned about Walker, we've mentioned about Zinchenko, you know, at left back. And then we look at, we don't tend to pull the opposition apart as much as we do our own team. And they've got deficiencies. You know, if we were looking at the, that midfield. I, I think that's the thing. When you're talking about when Wijnaldum and Milner and Henderson and people like this. If you've got Kevin De Bruyne, what we've got to remember is after this game, then players can put their feet up for a bit. And, you know, the, the other players can work their magic against Rotherham and Burton Albion and all these other teams because Kevin De Bruyne I don't think will be playing there unless they want minutes in his legs we've got the luxury of dropping him in then for this game I think we do need but the uh, you know you've got Sterling Sane Aguero you know that three up front then you've got the three boys in midfield Stones will be in for this one you've got Walker in for this one you've got Laporte in for this one Edison as you look through the team if you can't grab confidence from that you know it's tactics and it's outsmarting somebody and Pep Guardiola is very very good at that he will spring a surprise the lineup will not be what everybody expects if you sat people down and say who's going to play he'll have something up his sleeve whether it's to you know extra help in midfield whether it's uh, even two two strikers playing and he will outsmart Jurgen Klopp now, I just this- hope Klopp thinks it's a final because he normally loses them. <laughs> Walter, do you see yeah. any surprises in the lineups for um, the the game? Oh, it's, Pep's a riddle within a riddle, isn't it? We won't know. We're none the wiser until I know what team I'd start, but we're none the wiser until um, an hour before kickoff, and we're all looking through Twitter or whatever to get the latest team news. And then when we see it, we'll look at it and go, "Hang on a minute, how does that figure?" And then we start trying to piece it all together in the positions that they'd be in. And this is from people who watch Man City week in, week out. So, you know, it's uh, I'm looking forward to it, you know. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting in my seat, having a couple of pints and uh, just getting behind the team. Well, the first 20 minutes, they'll come after it like a, an express train. Um and we need to weather that first 20 minutes. And after that, I think we'll take control of the game. Walter, do you think um, that's, the, that's the key to the game, to weather the first 20 minutes of the of the hurricane? Or, or, or does Klopp play, play like that anymore? Uh, he, he's not tended to do this season, has he? But, you know, for the big game, again, I hope they get all emotional before the game. Because, as I said, Klopp's a serial bottler when it comes to comes to finals. And that's how I hope he sees this. You know, if he sees it that way and he, he uses that to get them really pent up, if he goes overboard, I wouldn't be surprised seeing one of their players sent off, a la Mane again. Mane is the most aggressive, isn't he? Well, it doesn't really... I mean, Milner likes to stick a boot in, but <coughs> it doesn't really matter. Uh, if they go at it over-emotionally and they buy into that clock beforehand there's, there's a reason he's lost so many finals so I'm just hoping that he loses this so well I know it's not a final as I've said before but I, I'm not saying I'm feeling confident anyway of a victory and then it gets down to four points and then the battle's on yeah the Lord of averages says they're going to lose why not this one I mean we'd not we were unbeaten until we went there in 
mid January last year. They're unbeaten. They come here. It's 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 on the cards that this is. To be, I was saying to be fair, I'd settle for a one nil off the back of uh, Zinchenko's oh, yeah. backside. Absolutely, I don't care how it minute. goes under yeah. the cost yeah. for the next eighty nine oh, minutes. And, or, uh, we just or a hotly walk away with it. A hotly contested penalty <laughs> that we do actually put away. So, well, uh, to be honest, it's, it's it's the result that matters this time. Yep. Like it's not yep. uh, it's not, not about the, the performance. performance. Then I'm just going to finish off by um, saying to everyone, thank you very much for listening. We're very very grateful for your support. We've got nearly twenty thousand plays now on SoundCloud. Just want to say to you, thank you very much. Have one on us and up the blues. Oh my God, that really goes enough for the three points. Manchester City is still alive here.